Hi there and welcome to another Austral podcast. My name is Todd Fraser. This podcast comes to you from the 2022 Lives Conference in Paris. If you've worked in an ICU for very long, you'll recognise the scenario where a patient who is weaning from mechanical ventilation goes into pulmonary edema. This syndrome is often referred to as weaning-induced pulmonary edema, or WIPO. Dr Ray Shu currently works as an intensivist in the surgical ICU of the first affiliated hospital at Sun Yat-sen University in China. Ray has a strong interest in hemodynamic monitoring in the critical care environment, in which she has done a PhD, and she joins me today to talk about this fascinating clinical problem. Ray, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Ray, what are the mechanisms that lead to pulmonary edema and cardiac dysfunction in a patient who is weaning from mechanical ventilation? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really... A good question because it makes us to think about physiology or pathophysiology about this thing and i would say it's it's definitely a multifactorial process and as we start to uh, disconnect the tube uh, of patients with the, uh, the ventilator we for sure we have we change the, the whole condition of the patient but among all the mechanisms, I would say the most important mechanism would be the, inc- the decrease in the intrathoracic pressure, which will for sure uh, induce an increase in the systemic venous return and therefore increase the uh, LV preload. Well, after apart from that, there are also other uh, uh, factors, I would say, for example, we disconnect this tube, then the pulmonary volume will increase. And for certain patients, that will increase the RV afterload. And this RV afterload increase will maybe induce RV dilation and therefore decrease the LV compliance and combined with the increase in the LV uh, preload. Uh, All these factors together will just like the, the, the heart failure patients will induce uh, acute uh, cardiac dysfunction, but all of this acute cardiac dysfunction is just induced by the process of weaning. Um, well, there are also other factors. For example, the whole process will increase uh, adrenergic, adrenergic uh, stress, which we will see the patient. So, some patients will have a severe hypertension just at the end of like 30 minutes, one, one hour. They cannot afford this, this this work of breast or work of the winning process. So yes, I would say that the most important mechanism would be the the decrease uh, in the intrathoracic pressure. But the, for sure, there are other factors. Yeah. Ray, what are the risk factors for developing weaning-induced pulmonary edema? If you want to know which kind of patients are highly risk, uh, high risk patients, we 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 have to start from the mechanism. Uh, we are talking about LV afterload, preload, uh, or some uh, hypertension contractility, which means that for sure, if the baseline uh, heart function of the patient is not good, they are vulnerable uh, of this process. They're more vulner- vulnerable compared to the other patients. So, the so LV function, uh, the baseline LV function or baseline uh, cardiac function of the patients is, is highly important. And in the patients with a chronic uh, cardiac disease, we should aware that they are high-risk patients. And second would be the patient with uh, COPD because the, in, the decrease in intrathoracic pressure will induce a 
greater swing in this kind of patient. So um, the other kind of high risk patients, I do not know, but since we, if we, we start from the whole story, the whole story, uh, the Weibo discovered by Professor Dabu in 1988, see, the story just uh, comes from when, when he observed that in a group of patients with COPD, uh, during the SBT process, so the pulmonary artery occlusion, uh, pressure just increased highly, well, significantly, uh, higher than the 18. So yes, the COPD patients and the uh, cardiac dysfunction patients are two group of patients uh, with high risk to develop Weibo during the weaning process. Yeah. Ray, how common is this condition? How often would you see it in patients weaning from mechanical ventilation in an ICU? Great question, because that's the question that we have during the past three years, and also that's the reason we conducted the multi-center study about Weibo. Um, well, it's because when we're doing the systematic review of all the literatures from the 1988 to uh, 2021, we found that incidence of Weibo is highly variable. Well, it depends on the, what kind of uh, patients that we are studying. Well, uh, I would say the incidence that I found in the literature it varies from uh, twenty or twenty uh, percent to one hundred percent. Well, you you may you may feel surprised about that, but one hundred percent it's it's in the patients among the patients who uh, the definition is difficult to win patients, and the twenty percent would be in a general uh, ICU patient. So the incidence it depends on what kind of patients you are starting for. Um, in our study. Uh, well, in, in 2017, it's not my study, it's uh, connected by my colleague, Dr. Liu, with Professor Xavier Monet. Uh, it's, uh, uh, in 2017, they found in a, a group of patients difficult to win, but it's in the patient from the medical ICU in their uh, ICU uh, in BSET Paris. Uh, this, they found that in, in, among the patients difficult to win, the incidence of Weibo is uh, percent, uh, uh, 50%. So that means, uh, among the patients who are difficult to win, uh, there are uh, half of them cannot uh, win because of Weibo. And then after four years, we, we, we want to know in general ICU patients, the incidence is truly, the truly incidence is how much. And we included the ICU, the neurological ICU, we uh, surgical ICU and med medical ICU. And the incidence in our study is 34%. Ray, what are the clinical features that might suggest somebody is going into pulmonary edema while they're waiting from mechanical ventilation? Uh, we have, in fact, we have a checklist, uh, like at the beginning where we, before we disconnect the tube, and at the end, or 30 minutes and one hour, and at the end of SBT, uh, we will we will observe that the high the heart rate rate uh, may increase and uh, the um, Respiratory frequency is increased, increased, and the the gas, the gas, the, the gas. Uh, well, the, the the patient is very fatigued. Um, uh, well, the clinically, you just feel that the patient is very, it's very hard for for, for the patient to 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 breathe by himself. Uh, well, yes, I think that's the the thing that we can say that the patient is very tired about this. Ray, you mentioned that there's two key groups, the patients with background left ventricular dysfunction and those with COPD. 
How do we predict which patients are likely to get into trouble? Yes, um, the method to detect that, detect that earlier than we do, uh, do, do the winning process. Uh, well, start from the whole beginning, since it will be the pulmonary, uh, well, the swangons. We measure that, but imagine that as the, as a phase of winning process, it's so rare for us to use swangons in such patients. But that's still a golden standard for, for, for diagnosing that. Uh, right now, we have several markers, biomarkers were were tests. For example, if we still have uh, the echocardiography, if you have, we are uh, able to do that. We can just measure the, the, the ratio between E and A. But for sure, it's the, the, there are some studies about that. They showed that it can give you some hints, make you think about that. But the specificity or uh, sensitivity. Uh, by well, to detect to diagnose Weibo only by the the ratio between the E and A were uh, E and E E E E and the, the the small E is not that good. Uh, so we can combine it with other markers, for example, the increase in, in BNP or NT prop BNP. If that's increased higher than twelve percent, it just reminds you that maybe the cardiac uh, factors. And the second, uh, the third would be uh, the hemoconcentration because we know that it's it's just like heart failure, acute heart failure patients. It's an increase in uh, hydrostatic pressure. So uh, if that is really really significant, you will observe that the uh, the protein plasma or the uh, hemoglobin will increase. Uh, compared with compared with the very beginning of the SPT, uh, well, the cutoff value that we found in literature is five to six percent of increase, and there are also the long water the uh, the increase in long water higher than fourteen percent, but it's uh, it's also the question because in, in in such patients during this winning process, do we still need PICO? Or do we need still need this kind of invasive monitor? So. Uh, it's questionable to use the wrong water, but it can be a method. Ray, if we can identify patients who are at risk, what can we do to prevent them from going into WIPO? Well, uh, well, in fact, it's a question that I do not have a protocol in my mind, but um, what I discussed in my uh, in my paper, it's it's under review, not until now it's not published, but we are thinking that. Uh, in high-risk patients, maybe we can choose to uh, to use a T-tube, but not the PSV. Although we saw the news launched the study, when you uh, published study in New England, that PSV and T-tube, there is no difference in in terms of outcomes uh, among the high-risk patients. But in terms of detecting Weibo, maybe maybe in the high-risk patients, if they can pass the T-tube or T-test, T-tube test, they may, uh, I mean, they decrease a little bit of risk uh, when we really did disconnect them to the ventilator, but it's for sure need to be confirmed in, you know, for the studies. And uh, another thing is diuretic, the use of the, the diuretics, um, but the question of diuretics is we use that until when, until which level that we stop. 
there's just the one study that's also conducted by Professor Felimone. They said we may use the the, the plastic leg raising uh, to guide the fluid removal um, until the patients have fluid responsiveness. Means the patient is not fluid, at least not fluid overload. Then we maybe decrease a little bit risk of these patients have to, to develop weibo. But that's the only studies I know. So diuretics, how much, uh, until when? We do not know. It's a question. It's an open question. So it sounds like our best approach is to optimize the patient um, in terms of their cardiac function and their fluid balance prior to going through that weaning process. Is there a particular type of weaning process that's better than others? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, in our study, multicentric study, it's uh, the main centers in Europe. They use T-tube a, a, a lot, really. Uh, the majority of them use T-tube. And there are also some centers use a uh, peep, uh, use a very low peep, like five to six, like this. Um, and there are also some small part of centers that use zip uh, with zero beep. Um, well, it, 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 it's, a, um, it's a comparison among three groups of the type of, type of um, ways to, to, uh, of the weaning process. We do not find any difference between uh, peep, low peep, and zip, but uh, the incidence of Weibo is higher in the group of tissue. Yes, uh, yes, that, that, that's what we found. What we gave the reason about that is the tissue is more challenging for the patients, and they are more likely to develop Weibo. So, in high risk patients, maybe we can use that to mimic the real, uh, real winning yeah finally ray what does um this mean for their long-term prognosis what is the outcome for patients who do go into WIPO? yeah right now we are really scared about talking about the outcome of critical ill patients because we cannot say that one thing can real impact or influence the final outcome of patients what we can say is the uh, repeated weaning process is not good for at least for for the long term of patients because we know we have some studies show that weaning weaning failure is related to the outcome but if Weibo is related to the outcome it's indirect relationship it's really hard to find a direct relation or causal relation between these two things um it's just like the fluid responsiveness we we know that we should test it but if the test is tested it will improve the outcome we do not know right um we, what we can do is just uh but uh, yes we, 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 what we know is we have to make the best fluid balance of the patients we have to de decrease the, the, the time of mechanical ventilation duration uh, and to to manage well this this uh difficult when patients can of course affect this direct factors related to the outcome, outcome, yes. Ray, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your insights into this important condition. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. All of Osler's content and features are completely free. Access more great podcasts just like this one, as well as hundreds of modules, journal reviews, quizzes and articles by downloading our free app. 
You'll also be able to access our logbook and portfolio and any Osler learning you do is automatically recorded in your CPD diary. Search for My Osler in your app store or visit our website at oslercommunity.com.